You're on Radio 1, 91 FM Political Spectrum, talking today about prisons, private and public, and uh, misconduct appearing to be going on. With me on the phone right now, I have Roger Brooking. You've been described as a uh, sort of prisoner welfare advocate in the past. Would that be fair to say? Uh, yeah. I, I've been uh, going into prisons for the last 15 years as an alcohol and drug counselor, and um, I hear an awful lot of stories, and some of those stories are pretty concerning about the kinds of things that happen in prisons. So, I, yeah, I've just got involved in advocating on behalf of uh, prisoners who often end up getting treated pretty badly in the prison system. And we've been uh, hearing about some, you know, allegations of pretty bad things going on in prisons, and we've actually seen the YouTube videos, uh, so they can't really deny it. And that's kind of cracked open this fissure that's been, uh, you know, allowed people to sort of assail the current corrections minister. And we've he- we've heard allegation after allegation coming out, uh, as you said, kind of things that uh, appeared to be known about quite widely uh, and have reared their ugly head in, you know, certain unexplained in-custody deaths that have refused to go away. Uh, but now they're being sort of laid bare as a as a systemic thing. We're hearing about people routinely being dropped off of balconies as a gang initiation. We're hearing about uh, withholding of nece- necessary medical care as a form of punishment. Um, are these the type of allegations that you are hearing? Uh, yeah, they are. I mean, I hear so many kinds of stories, um, a lot of them relating to violence, uh, some of them relating to inadequate medical care. Um, you know, there's there's, a, there's other issues too. For instance, the whole thing about cell phone uh, cell phones in prison. The corrections department has blocking technology to prevent pr- prisoners from making cell phone calls, and they put ten to twelve of these little blocking devices in every single unit within the prison system which effectively radiates all the prisoners with some kind of, you know, um, radio frequency waves. I'm not an expert in this area, but I have struggled to find out that they don't actually measure how much of this prisoners are actually exposed to. And, um, you know, I have concerns about that as well. Um, Another issue, for instance, I'm aware of a prisoner in Mount Eden who was gang raped recently. So there's all kinds of stuff that goes on that doesn't come to public attention until um, something kind of bursts it open, like this current publicity regarding the dropping of prisoners off balconies. This is just the tip of the iceberg. And, I mean, do you have much faith that uh, sort of, yeah, this this wider systemic issue of operating a U.S.-style prison industrial complex in New Zealand is is going to come out um i mean as you said you've you've been hearing these allegations for a long time is there is there a glimmer of hope with this current debate or is it too narrowly focused um well it, it it's probably too narrowly focused and you know i no i don't think there is much hope that things will change particularly i mean they might change at the mount eden prison that you know circo is currently running because i think the corrections department and or with all this media retention um, I would like to think that things might change there and that Circo will be compelled to take on more staff. But that's the difficulty with having private prisons because their sole purpose is to make a profit for their shareholders. 
And in order to make a profit, the simplest way to do that is to employ less staff. And that's the problem that leaves prisoners exposed, you know, unattended and unsupervised, um, left to their own devices for potentially hours on end. And that's when this kind of trouble happens. So, um, and in saying that, you know, most of the focus is kind of on how do they stop the cell phones getting into the prison? And more recently, it's whether or not the current Minister of Corrections should resign. Well, if the Minister resigns, they're not going to solve anything. That isn't the problem. So mm. the, the, the attention tem- t- tends to go in the wrong direction. It doesn't go on solving the problem. It goes on kind of, you know, the peripheries and the other factors that are relevant but don't actually deal with the main, the core issue. Now... You know, yeah, a lot of people are saying, how can we stop these prisoners from having cell phones and updating social media? But uh, the thing that strikes me is, you know, if if it weren't for these prisoners updating social media, we wouldn't know about this and we wouldn't, um, you know, it would it would be uh, effectively denied uh, as the minister was attempting to deny it before all this kind of, you know, proof kept coming out. But if if this blocking technology exists, I mean, how... How are they actually achieving this? And um, our our last guest, a former corrections officer, uh, seemed to suggest that some of the the signals that we see in these videos indicate that um, the staff were well aware that some of these uh, events were taking place and being videoed. Yeah, well, I I mean, I totally agree with you that if it wasn't for cell phones getting into the prisons, we wouldn't have this debate even going on. That's absolutely true. Um, and I suspect that in Mount Eden, uh, the Circo staff probably are aware of what's going on. I mean, I did a little bit of research on this three years ago, and there was uh, information that was reported at that time suggested that uh, when the staff in Circo, in the Mount Eden prison, knew that a fight was going to be staged, the officers kind of disappeared, uh, so the fight went ahead, and then the officers would reappear once the fight was over. So they referred to these fights as being staff-sanctioned. The staff absolutely definitely knew it was going on and basically turned a blind eye. And do you think, I mean, I guess, how much of a difference do you think there is between public prisons and private prisons. Um, We heard from our last guest, you know, about the private prisons, their targets are all sort of measured on performance and they get monetary penalties or bonuses. There's a little bit more checks and balances in the public prisons, but there's been a lot of in-custody deaths in uh, public prisons as well. And, um, you know, allegations like with Jai Davis of withholding medical care. uh, And do do you think it is significantly different? I mean, it's understandable why it would be worse in a private prison, but but do you think the private prison is the main issue here? No, I don't. I think this is a systemic issue within the prison system in general, um, and that these problems, violence and lack of medical attention and all the rest of it, these occur within every single prison up and down the country. Um, in saying that, I think it's pr- probably likely that there is more kind of, you know, gang activity going on in the Mount Eden prison because it's a private one and because it's understaffed. But the issues are systemic, um, and, I, you know, I don't see them changing anytime soon, quite frankly. 
It seems like um, a lot of the rhetoric, you know, whenever we talk about prisoners, is focused on, well, these guys deserve it, they're bad people. Um, I think that exact quote was used by many of our politicians this week. Um, But, you know, a lot of the people in prison might be there for uh, sort of petty offenses or even things that uh, some people don't think should be considered a crime. Um, I mean, you work with these people in prisons uh, particularly in the area of alcohol and drug dependence, uh, you know, which is seen as a driver of crime. And of course, in the U.S. Um, prison industrial complex model, which we, you know, appear to be enthusiastically importing here, the drug war is responsible for their astronomical sort of prisoner numbers and uh, the disenfranchisement and inequity resulting out of that. You know, are are we in the same situation here? What what are these prisoners like? Um, you know, is the drug war filling our prisons with people that don't deserve to be there? Uh, well, that's a very good question. Um, New Zealand has um, a very high rate of imprisonment compared with most other Western democracies. Obviously, we're nowhere near the rate of imprisonment that goes on in the States, where it's sort of like 650 to 700 uh, prisoners per 100,000 of the population. Mm. Um, but New Zealand is up there, and a lot of, you know, we are a, a very punitive society. We have, as you say, imported the, uh, you know, the same kind of approach that operates in the United States. And a lot of people in prison are in there with, you know, drug-related offences and relatively minor things, um, which could well be dealt with in a very different way if, New Zealand as a society um, took a different approach. But a lot of, I think a lot of what has happened in New Zealand has been partly driven by Garth McVicker and the Sensible Sentencing Trust. Mm. And the National Party has adopted many of the kind of strategies and policies put forward by Garth McVicker. Sure. And there is absolutely a, a sort of a common perception, I think, in New Zealand that their prisoners, they deserve it. Yep. Um, and I frankly just find that attitude appalling because they may be prisoners but they're still human beings and just because you get sent to prison doesn't mean you should be attacked and killed it doesn't mean that you should be denied medical treatment if you have a health problem and it doesn't mean that you should be raped just because you happen to you know sell cannabis or some other fairly insignificant drug offense that you got sent to prison for well yes i i couldn't agree more um do you feel like maybe the best thing we could we could get out of this as a political compromise might be a rolling back of the privatization of our prisons? I mean, we're supposed to have a new private prison opening soon or just recently opened, correct? Absolutely, and that one's going to be run by Serco. Serco has an absolutely appalling reputation in Britain, Australia, and other countries where it operates. It's a corrupt com- company, and frankly, I'm surprised that it's taken... You know, they've been operating in New Zealand now, I think, for three years or whatever it is. Um, It doesn't surprise me in the least that this kind of uh, problem has finally surfaced and kind of proved that Serco in New Zealand is no different from Serco in in Britain. Um, Whether it's going to lead to a rollback, not while the national government is in power, that's for sure. Um, They encourage this approach. They've invested significant, you know, time, energy, and resources into making sure that Serco does the job properly. Um, there may be some, you know, modifications, and they may get fined for whatever the, the, you know, there's an uh, investigation going on, and no doubt there'll be some minor uh, changes that are made. 
but this government is in no hurry to get rid of private the, the running of private prisons. Well, uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, I'm glad that, you know, you're willing to speak out about it uh, with us. And uh, I'm really glad that there's at least someone visiting those prisoners uh, who is treating them like a human being uh, if they have the pleasure of interfacing with you. So keep up the good work and thanks for joining us. And, um, you know, we'll we'll watch as these events unfold with fingers crossed. Yeah, thanks very much, Abe. It's, a, it's good to talk to you. Cheers. Okay, cheers.